Hey guys, welcome back to the Comp Heist Guy podcast. My name is Gavin, and uh, today we got some special, special guests here. Uh, we have the CEO, writer, director, and creator of Ocean Black, um, or CEO of Crom Storm Studios, um, EJ Wedge. And we have actress and marketing consultant for Ocean Black TV, Miss Patty Lee. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you for All having right. us. <laughs> Actually, EJ is also, um, did you compose the music for Ocean Black as well? Yeah, I'd say uh, yes. I, I could answer that question short. Yes. Okay. Yes, I okay. That music. Nice. I should nice. give a forewarning that he's like really humble. So whenever you say something that's like sounds like, oh man, I'm impressed with that. He'll the way like, he said oh, it, I was like, compose. I don't. <laughs> Well, I mean, technically, yeah, you, verb. you would be the uh, the composer for this. So, but yeah, I mean, yeah, you get you own up to it, man. I mean, that's you. <laughs> that answer, I love that answer. Great answer. Great question. <laughs> so, um, as uh, as you guys know, we're here. We're gonna be talking about Ocean Black, uh, Ocean Black, which is the series, the animated series that's gonna be coming out. Um, but this actually started off as a, a book before, right? Uh, for for yourself, EJ, you started um, writing Ocean Black, and uh, yeah. So uh, that that was a, a project from years and years ago. And um, the very long story short, because again, if you let me talk, I'll I'll, I'll just keep going. Yeah, the, the short short version, right? Is just um, after being at home for a while, having a little more television consumption for me than was normal during the pandemic. I think a lot of people had that. And I had the experience of watching Avatar as an adult. I was like, I have content that I could turn into an animated show. What's what's holding me back from that? Not a whole lot. Mm -hmm. So here we are, right? You know, we did the thing. Um, but, but that experience in the middle of 2020 was uh, kind of, more directly i would say than just the act of me writing those novels which is now mm -hmm. uh seven eight years ago geez god that went fast um like time does <laughs> yeah so uh what i i never imagined it would turn into what it's turned into seven or eight years ago it uh, i guess my my specific answer to your question is that just a couple of years ago a very recent change led to me saying i should try my hand at this and you know, I met Patty, I met the um, uh, Dita Charisma and the team working on the animation side. And it's mm. been really incredible, right? Like finding all these different parts and making them work together. Mm. It's not a skill I would have identified myself as having previously, but I will try to give myself some credit there is, you know, kind of finding those people and bringing them together. The mm. folks are doing something really amazing, right? And I'm only one part of that. I, I get to do the music. I'm, I feel privileged. Which is why I'm like compose. <laughs> Hold on now, <laughs> right? But 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 genuinely, it comes from a place of you know I I, I am helping in this project, right? Uh, mm -hmm. I'm just one part of the story. Yeah, I mean it's amazing how all of you have connected because EJ, you're from Massachusetts. Patty is from Maui. I'm on Oahu. I mean, this is we're we're pretty much on three different planes i'd say you know of land so um and then of course um d is it didi yeah dida is in uh yagarta indonesia indonesia he's, uh, he's in java there and uh 
he's probably going to work right now. Otherwise, it would be we could we could probably have grabbed him. But yeah, I think uh, is it right now? Yeah, he's probably on his way to work. <laughs> I mean, it's amazing. How did you all connect on? Uh, um... You know, I got a recommendation. Patty should tell her whole story, but you know, I got a very nice recommendation from somebody local to me, and I met Dita through a friend of a friend when he was advertising some of the contract work for Ocean Black. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was so impressed with his work that we kept him around. And he's himself had had so many connections um, within his uh, circle um, in Indonesia that he was able to put a team together very quickly. You know, he's not here to brag about himself but he's he's just incredible right and his ability to get people uh together to be passionate about this project um Pararupa is another person um who's leading on backgrounds and is another huge element of that illustrative um team that's just doing incredible work mm-hmm. they asked me i remember it you know what kind of background style we were looking for and one of the examples they said was or do you want something like studio ghibli right and like well, obviously we want what's good, you guys, right? Like, and, and and so, and that team has delivered, I think. Um, so they've been fantastic. And uh, and I should let Pat, Patty say a couple comments about how we met, because like I said, you know, she got a glowing recommendation from uh, her former mentor. Um, so Patty. Yeah, so um, earlier you mentioned that I'm from Maui. I'm actually from Massachusetts, but um, I oh, live okay. on Maui. So I'm not a local girl. Uh, I just look like one. <laughs> you do. You, you, you very much do, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get that a lot. <laughs> and I'm a silva on top of that. So, uh, But anyway, um, I, I grew up in Massachusetts, and I went to this performing arts school called the Burtwood School of Performing Arts. Um, shout out. I think they're on their, like, I don't know, 25th anniversary. I don't know. They're on a big anniversary right now. Oh, okay. Um, but Lorna Burnell, who was the owner of that school and also taught many of the classes that I took there and um, took me under her wing. I um, I interned with her. I taught at that school eventually um, when I was in my college years. And um, yeah, this, this posting just came across her feed and I was like, huh, that sounds interesting. And it was really funny, like all of the little qualifications mm-hmm. I hit him like right on the nail. I'm like, ah, that's me. That's me. That's me. And then it was like in the um, New England, or I think it was um, Southeastern Massachusetts and Rhode Island area. And I was like, mm, that's not me, but I have <laughs> access to sound, you know, equipment. I was working mm-hmm. at a radio station at the time. So I was like, Hey, if I can get recordings, then can I do this? And um, once I met with EJ, he was like, Oh, this is kind of weird. You like look like the character. <laughs> yeah, so, that was completely uh, accidentally timed. The way that all came together was actually pretty bizarre and also providential. Yeah, yeah, serendipitous for sure. That's amazing. I mean, it's amazing that we all connect on a different scale right now. So, and that you guys were able to create a project connecting on you know, in far distances as well. I mean, Dita's in Indonesia. That's amazing. You know what I mean? So to be able to put together this project, that's that's pretty awesome in my eyes. So I yeah, applaud you guys for that. to Discord because honestly, I don't know how we'd communicate otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, for Discord to be our life raft really tells you where we're at as a project team on some level, but on, mm-hmm. on another, and, and you know, it's again, it's a credit to Patty and Dita that because communication is tough with me and you know we all have day jobs and other ways of making income 
Mm -hmm. um, we have to be able to operate a little independently, but still with the sense of what is the project? What are the goals? What does it mean? Like, why do we care? Um, and everyone really stays in sync on that. Like it, it's admirable. Um, I feel very, again, I feel very lucky. <laughs> it's yeah. hard not to though. Cause the project, it's just like a really beautiful story. It's really, I don't know. It's, it's unlike anything else that I'm working on. So it's, um, and I think the same is true for data and that's why we're both, yeah. you know, so passionate about it. Mm -hmm. All right. So yeah, before we get into, um, the series i actually want to talk about uh comic-con you guys were uh featured on a on a panel at comic-con so tell me about that experience <laughs> patty knows uh, everything i know nothing i'm a peasant <laughs> yeah that's my job um it, honestly we have some really good friends who um had a panel at comic-con mm -hmm. who were like um we had actually been on their podcast which is the rabbit hole podcasts um and that's uh Kavika Hook and Sarah Rodriguez and um just super awesome people and they were like you know um you were one of the first people on our podcast and so if we can pay you back somehow and get you some attention at comic-con you know we'll mm -hmm. we'll feature you so um yeah well, actually EJ put together a pretty incredible little video that showcased some of the work that went into yeah. what we've done and where it's gotten up to this point and kind of where we still need to go. Um, and we we showed at Comic-Con, people were pretty receptive. So yeah, we're excited about that too. Mm -hmm. And then EJ, what was your reaction to to hearing that um, your your series is gonna be showcased at Comic-Con? I mean, that must have been- I, I still don't believe it. You keep saying words like showcase and featured and- <laughs> <laughs> Again, your your verb choice is just flying ten thousand feet above me, my dude. <laughs> I love well, it. Sh shown. <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, again, right? I was blown away. Um, you know, uh, um, uh, if it didn't get through to him, I hopefully it gets through to him now. That thank you to Kavika for you know driving that, and to others who, you know, maybe didn't. I, I'm not aware of, but you know, Kavika mm -hmm. certainly has been generous uh, at every stage. You know, and he's given some good industry insight too that I appreciate uh, as a unabashed amateur. <laughs> <laughs> and a big thank you to Saxon Sawai for getting our, and Saxon, yes, too. our oh my God, footage right, of that because um, he actually went to Comic-Con and sat in on the panel and watched it and got us some video footage, but he's also part of our project. Mm -hmm. yeah. All right on. So yeah, let's get into Ocean Black and um, what the story is about. So I, I read up a little bit on it, which we'll cover, but um, EJ, would you want to explain some of the story to us, what's going on? Um, characters like Tamail as well? Tamail. Tamail, okay. Yep. Sure, um, uh, I'll, again, because I'll fly through uh, what I've coined as the infinite kaleidoscope of context mm -hmm. if you let me so try, <laughs> trying to keep it small right like don't worry about time. it <laughs> um in, in season in, in the first season we want to start with right because the big discussion was you know and i'm and i'm encountering this on the writing side too right the original novels i wrote i'm trying to condense them and republish them mm -hmm. right now because i think i have a i have a lot of good stuff but you know mm -hmm. like anything it, it, it should be honed a little bit this show represents part of that effort to hone that universe of characters, you know, space opera and all this stuff down to something that's digestible, which is, let's start with one character in one specific place, right? The place is Central Asia, 
200 years after some post-apocalyptic event, you know, we can get into details. It's nuclear war, it's plague, it's whatever, but mm -hmm. uh, it, it's almost irrelevant to me anyway for that first season. Something awful happened 100 years ago, and we're in this context now, in this post-apocalyptic context where in Central Asia, which to me is just fascinating um, as a place, it, it's so rarely discussed in popular media. Um, it, it, you know, even in even where you do see it in like, uh, you know, one of the most influential movies for me of my whole life was um, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Mm. Even when you see it in context like that, where you've got Han Chinese culture presented alongside the Western rider on horseback. I mean, she meets him in the desert. Um, this is representative of those, um, you know, what are now we the Uyghurs in China, right? And other Central Asian societies that very rarely, I think, are central in the story. They're side characters. They're not part of the main, but they're because they're nomadic. They're by their nature, they exist on the periphery. Well, let's make them center stage. Mm -hmm. And after a post-apocalyptic event, I think that's where they belong. So Temeo is a nomadic character in a nomadic context kind of going around doing her thing <laughs> and all the problems that go with that and living in a, you know, semi-nomadic society where you've got bad guys over here and bad things over there and your family is nice, but they're not really. And, you know, she has those tensions within. I'm trying not to tell you the whole story of the first season. I want people to watch it. I just want to tell you the plot. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm being vague. So, I, I mean, that's her character's context. The geographic area, again, interests me incredibly, the culture as well. Um, and again, obviously her experiences as a character of being a young woman and trying to survive and having all these incredible talents that she does and yet kind of, and yet she struggles, right? Mm -hmm. uh, which to me is you could, you could put any character in any context. And I think that's something that engages audiences with an interesting character who has a lot of talented and, you know, ability, but yet they encounter some significant conflicts that challenge them and, and change them. And, and certainly by the end of the first season, Pemeo is totally changed, mm. setting up the big, big second season where, back to the beginning of what I said, we start to widen the world a little bit for the person. We say, okay, well, we've had you on Earth for this first season, but what if we told you there are other planets mm. and we're going to go to them and we're going to see Temeo fight on them and kill people and be a... <laughs> you know a badass and stomp all over people and by the third season see a really fantastic character arc mm -hmm. uh for this woman across all different places and times um i think I, I think it's something that people rarely if ever see in television and i just i'm obviously i'm getting all wound up because i'm excited to mm -hmm. try to make it happen mm -hmm. yeah it's a very interesting story there's um I, I was reading up on a little bit about um, there's, I guess, three major oceans in the universe. So there's made ocean blue, ocean black, ocean white. Uh, could you explain the significance of these in your series? Sure. I, at, at, anytime you hear me talking about this and I sound a little like, you know, full of myself, I'm not trying to go full Scientologist on anybody here. <laughs> um, I don't claim to have any real significant original ideas. I'm a, mm. an imitator. Mm. Uh, as most artists are, <laughs> um, you know, so shamelessly sort of rehashing uh, Wu Ching, right? A very ordinary, mm -hmm. I should say ordinary, a very, um, you know, well-known Chinese was... philosophy mm -hmm. of the five elements, right? Which correlate to five seasons and five, five and da, 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 the five elements, right? Mm -hmm. um, it's a distillation of that, right? Whereas in 
oh my god am i gonna do this live right now uh spring which is wood turns to summer which is fire which turns to autumn which is i don't remember <laughs> right That's and okay. it goes That's in the Wait, we got yeah I, I have a graphic for it guys okay and <laughs> so it goes around in a cycle right ocean black same exact concept slightly truncated right mm -hmm. where ocean blue is everyone is not quite alive at one point in their life mm, interesting um very contentious subject mm -hmm. right now uh who governs where that line is drawn and mm -hmm. what is the appropriate person who gets to decision make the decision about things that happen on what side of that line mm -hmm. very 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 significant philosophical question still being debated but there but everyone agrees there's a stage <laughs> <laughs> right mm -hmm. followed by your mortal life which has an absolute beginning of an end everyone's mm -hmm. does right the planet does eventually um but the planet's going to be just fine folks don't worry about that and then you have this post-mortal phase and who knows really what that is you don't get to know mm -hmm. uh, that's the point uh so uh, but again no nothing it sounds all meta right but it, it a distillation of wuching right with a little bit of christianity sprinkled in because obviously that's my context um is mm -hmm. growing up catholic although i have certainly have my own issues with the church these days um <laughs> but uh, again right like that that's my context for that three oceans concept is the influence of mm. reading about eastern philosophy and wuching and confucianism to a lesser degree but you know confucianism is very academic uh right uh, and, and 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 yeah Christian it's thought. about that that circular um motion of of life to death and then what happens in between as well so that, that's a very interesting concept actually um and then uh, i want to talk about um so this cataclysmic event uh you can correct me if i'm wrong but is it called the great demise in some way <laughs> yeah and then um this takes place in central asia and then there's um during this kind of this this great demise um some of the people that i guess are called exiles they they escape earth they go to another planet and then the ones that are left behind are governed by this guy named iyasu tengoku okay ripping off tokugawa iyasu they're right. the first emperor of Edo era japan in the 17th century yeah i was just telling my wife i was like oh i i know iyasu tokugawa you know i mean if you if you played um what is that? Samurai Warriors games? <laughs> That's how I know him. But um, yeah, could you explain the the difference between the Tengoku clan as well as the exiles in the story? Sure. Yeah, sure. So again, Central Asia is a practical location as well, kind of in the storytelling, because if you presume that cities suddenly become uninhabitable and indeed dangerous, it turns the wilderness into a place of refuge, mm -hmm. right? Um, another key aspect of Central Asia is traditionally, and not traditionally, I'll tell this story without telling a story about the story. Yeah. Um, uh, the Greeks referred to this big river in Central Asia, the Oxus River, as the River of Eden, right? When some people originally saw it from the Western world, they were like, oh, well, this is Eden. This is what everyone's talking about. Um, and they were, that's how they talked about that particular river. In, in modern times, it's called the Amudarya. It is a central 
geographic feature in 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 season one the mm-hmm. uh, uh the the clips you'll that are available right now all center around temeo going to that river and fighting next to that river right mm-hmm. and that's a real place that really exists um you know in central asia and mm. so uh the difference i'm sorry to your question between <laughs> sorry tengoku right that group of people who are living on earth and that river represents kind of a border for them but they're all on one planet whereas the exiles have left and they formed these great kingdoms and they're all just high on life telling themselves that wow we ruined earth we should never go back there again um Mm -hmm. only to find 100 years later that they overestimated even their destruction of earth right it's sort of this theme running through the entire series of the uh not just you know humanity's hubris in general but specifically the hubris of the very wealthy who are like we destroyed the world we were so evil and awful right (laughs) yeah you you didn't really though right if you just would go away for 20 years it would be fine (laughs) um and i and and i think that's one of the great ironies in general (laughs) of right and that's you've said it correctly right that's one of the great ironies of our time is that climate change is totally manageable human Mm. beings have the power you know i could go on a whole like theological epistemological debate with you about why i think it's you know god given or your divine power or whatever it is it doesn't really matter i think people understand it's it's doable Mm -hmm. most people don't agree that it's easily doable Mm -hmm. um but you know i take that concept anyway in 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 the in the story and exaggerate it a little to say well you know if they blew everything up and left they would tell themselves that they've ruined earth for all time and it's the land is poisoned and you can never go back there and it's totally fine Mm. there's people living there they're fine Mm. right um in the inverse another subplot within the lore that kind of gets commented on regularly that relates to this point is the exiles hesitate going to new worlds at first even when they have the technology for the same reason they're worried but when they leave well everything will be a disaster can you even have children on another planet won't they come out like zombies and they'll have three heads or you know they'll just be literally the act will cause on another planet you'll just be ruined mm-hmm. you'll be ruined you won't be human anymore and of course that's not true right mm-hmm. and everyone quickly forgets that <laughs> is even a fear by the mm-hmm. time they get to those new planets so i try to comment on things like that because sometimes we take for granted that uh people especially religions uh, would be totally okay with people just going to another planet and starting to <laughs> have a new civilization. And in fact, just the very idea, I think, would make some religious authorities panic and lose their lunch. Mm. That's being generous. Patty, I want to um, I want to talk to you about the story so far. So how how have um, like the certain plots and everything? How is it connected to um, yourself as well? Yeah. Um, well, I feel like. I grew up in a household with many, I guess the best way to put it is many parents, um, uh, my mom and my dad biologically. And then um, my dad went away and I went to go live with my aunt and uncle. And so um, the point of what I'm saying is I always had a lot of people with a lot of opinions tell me a ton of different things. Mm -hmm. Um, And they all believed that they were telling me facts and the truth about exactly how I should live my life and what is right and what is wrong and what is the world. Um, And that just 
led me to believe that this is the context that most people see the world through, right? Mm -hmm. Is that mm -hmm. um, I know what my parents taught me and what their parents taught them and so on and so forth. Um, and so I know what's right and I know what's wrong and I know the truth. Um, and what's something that's interesting about this story is here's a woman who same idea where she, um, not necessarily because she has so many parents, um, she's, I don't know how much I'm allowed to say. Something no, no, I think I think it's fair to say that Temeo has more than like one parental figure that passes through. That's actually an interesting comment you, for you to make that for mm. me to yeah. comment on. Yeah, Temeo does not have a consistent parental figure and other people kind of come in and help steer her and her confidence. Yeah, and here she is like this really smart, really strong woman and so many people and so many outside influences are trying to tell her exactly what she should be doing um, and how she should be living her life and where that's going to lead. And she has to actually learn to take a moment and take a step back and analyze whether or not the influences that she's getting are truthful if they have the right motivations if their motivations are the same as what her motivations are and mm -hmm. um how she's going to act from there so um that element of the story really spoke to me uh once i heard more about my character and and delving into it and then always just a strong central female character it's rare it's exciting it's just something to you know latch on to for sure and mm -hmm when I heard and read and the more background I got about the story, the more I was blown away. I mean, EJ, what he's sharing with you right now, is just such a small fraction of how much is actually in this universe mm. and how much of the story there is. So it's just, um, it could go on and on and on and on. And that alone is something that is exciting to me. Mm -hmm. Cool. I want to talk about, um, the other characters as well, um, who are Nara and then or Nara and then who are Jin Hambe and how do they relate to uh, Tameo in the story? Um, yeah, I'll, I'll take that and and so you know, obviously we have more people to introduce for this first season. the The focus has been on these two characters because, well, long story short, again, um, of the scenes that we chose to animate first to kind of present the idea. Mm -hmm. um, so Nara and Jin Hanbei are both kind of supporting characters relative to Temeo. Um, uh, uh, Jin Hanbei actually throughout all three seasons is present, although, yeah, he's present for all three <laughs> seasons. And um, it, he's just a really important kind of mentor figure mm. um, for Temeo, which obviously results in regular tension because she's not always willing to listen or take direction. Um, Nara, if, if Jin Hanbei is kind of like the mean, salty teacher, Nara is a bit of a shoulder to cry on. He's much, he's much calmer, um, mm. but he's still also a, uh, uh, you know, a very, very skilled warrior and very, uh, we'll say committed, um, to Jin Hanbei and making sure that, you know, people respect him and, and do what he says. Cause Hanbei himself, and this is probably the real piece of meat you're looking for Jin Hanbei himself his backstory right his whole lore is that he is the you know kind of the only well-respected son of um the big boss right mm. Tengoku Ayasu 
but Hanbei's problem is that he made a big screw up and kind of lost his stature and he's been sent to guard the border where, you know, not much is happening mm. while his older brothers go and do big things. They all end up getting themselves killed in India and it's a huge disaster. Um, I'm, I'm telling you part of the story and I shouldn't be, but uh, <laughs> again, right. Hanbei's whole thing is he's lost his stature and he's trying to gain it back. Mm -hmm. And as he's doing so, Temeo comes into the picture and is, you know, and he's basically, all right, well, I'm on the warpath to gain my honor back. You want to learn how to do real war, not just standing in a, you know, dueling ring and beat the crap out of every single person who stands <laughs> in front of you, right? We're going to, we're going to do something that's real. And it mm -hmm. requires her to do things she's not used to. And Hanbei is the one, uh, uh, you know, in, in terms of what actual role he plays, Hanbei is the one who's constantly probably the most saying no <laughs> to Demio. <laughs> yeah, and what's interesting, I think, about his character, too, is that he takes a lot of stances that are sort of pragmatic. Mm -hmm. um, so mm -hmm. whereas Temio holds a lot of uh, rigid ideas about how things should work, um, just based on, you know, her former knowledge of how how the world that she lives in works and he's kind of sometimes saying look this time we're going to do it this way and this time we're going to do it that way and that's part of what you need to learn um i think that's mm -hmm. kind of cool his character yeah, and correct yeah. me if i'm wrong ej that's just no, how i interpret no. it no, you're right and of course they'll grow along the way you know i mean there's a lot of there's already a lot to this universe already um so EJ, where'd you get the inspiration for this story? Because, you know, I look at the, the art direction and it looks very much like Avatar The Last Airbender, but then you also have um, Jin, Nara, and then Tameo, which is like a big three, which is kind of like Star Wars, where you have Luke, Han, and Leia. Is, was Star Wars also an inspiration or, you know, am I just reading too much into it? <laughs> <laughs> No, no. Star Wars is absolutely an inspiration. I, how could it not be? Um, I just so that I answer the right question. Do you sh should I answer that as like where did I start with the books, or just like with the show itself? You can start with the books and then how you translated it to the show. Yeah. Um, first couple of stories I ever wrote when I was like twelve or thirteen. Do you do you literally have to show your cap up? <laughs> Thank you. Hello. Hello, I love you. I know. They're just, she can hear you. She, they, they speak English. Any, oh, good. Any, yeah. Anyone who tells you they don't understand you, they do. <laughs> I do, so I believe um, So as far as writing, you know, very, very young. Yeah, I was inspired by the games I was playing and by the movies I was watching. And the big ones were Star Wars at the time. Obviously, my mother has introduced me to most of my cultural influences. Star Wars was one of them. Um, and, uh, some of the games I was playing at the game, oh God, I'm going to, uh, Final Fantasy seven and Starcraft, mm. uh, all when I'm 12, 13, 14, um, playing this like weird thing that was like the most popular thing in the world in Korea, the Starcraft and Final oh, Fantasy seven, yeah. for those who know, I just is one of the great pieces of art from the gaming world, in my opinion. Um, so it was games that were influencing me. Oh, and I, I should, I, how could I not mention on the gaming side, Chrono Trigger, another amazing, Love that game. Uh, another amazing first gen, like the storytelling in that game, you didn't see anywhere else. 
mm -hmm. um, at the time. But you didn't see a game where you could change the literal timeline and see that played out and mm -hmm. the consequences that played out right like in mm -hmm. inside of an rpg it was wild so i had that going on and then again star wars is unbelievable i don't think i need to sometimes i wonder if i do need to explain the importance of the original trilogy to people because <laughs> I, I i was in a chat the other day in discord with some friends of mine i play mm -hmm. games with and, and a bunch of them said like oh yeah i'm introducing so-and-so to star wars yeah we haven't watched any of the original ones yet and oh. i'm like and I'm like, yeah. but guys, <laughs> right? Again, <laughs> right? I don't know how old you are, but I know I'm old, and you know because of that, <laughs> you're just gonna. I'm sorry, and you're just gonna, <laughs> you're just gonna keep getting people, you know, who who haven't exposed exposed to it. So I guess I would, if for those who hadn't seen it, right? I think the charm of the original trilogy that most influenced me was the. Uh, way that the main characters, right, Han, Leia, and Luke, mm -hmm. just they're put into all these crazy contexts in science fiction, and all those contexts were so cool. And it was like, yeah, spaceships and Death Star, and like that's cool. Like, mm -hmm. but again, it's a opera about main characters set entirely to music, one hundred percent of it. There are notes playing when people are speaking, when people are not speaking, when the ships mm -hmm. are blowing up. It, I, I could tell you exactly what is on the screen in the original trilogy, right? And, and you know, this I portray my age here. But the, I, I could tell you what is on the screen shot by shot just by listening to the John Williams soundtrack for that movie, right? Mm -hmm. Because again, it, it's through the whole way. Um, so that, uh, again, you talk, when, I, when I'd say Star Wars is my inspiration, it's, it's less so the science fiction context and the characters themselves who while all fascinating george lucas himself said he stole from dune um so it wasn't necessarily <laughs> unique on its own uh -huh. but to his credit as a filmmaker it was the way that was assembled using some of the traditional you know what was traditional at the time in the 60s and 70s having a full score mm. right again mm -hmm. every second has 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 an orchestra mm -hmm. <laughs> backing it up um and all the other pieces that went into that, but especially the way the main characters uh, uh, had so much charisma with one another. To have that with music, real charisma and emotion between the characters set to music, it, it, you could put them in any context and, and the little mm. da, na, 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 would instantly place you in the emotion that that character's experiencing. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, uh, all, everything that went into watching that has certainly influenced me in the making videos uh stage less so the writing although i always liked it but taking that writing and trying to turn it into visuals yes star was hugely influential how mm -hmm. could it not be and then making an animated show choosing to make it an animated show yes watching avatar and seeing avatar for the first time i, I mean i i cried <laughs> yeah like uh, when 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 iroh takes back zuko i just i can't even think about it too much or i'll start tearing up on video right <laughs> my wife agrees it's, it's such a it's such a good show um another favorite of mine that i've named before samurai champloo um I, I had seen it a couple of times before i watched it with my wife but i know at the end of that she was bawling because because it's like she said you know you just you don't want the journey to end 
um uh, uh that that one comment from that show i have many things influenced me from that show but mm-hmm. just that one comment alone obviously has stuck with me for uh 15 years now mm-hmm. how about for you patty how's um the artistic part like for inspiration what do you think like for ocean black what, what would you compare it to in terms of um maybe sh- shows or animated series that have been out Hmm. Um, you know, to be quite honest with you, I'm not a huge uh, animated show watcher, mm-hmm. uh, which has kind of been an interesting challenge for me on the marketing side of this, because mm-hmm. um, I don't have a lot of experience with it. But um, what I do recognize from Ocean Black is a lot of the sort of epic tales that um, I've watched and been involved in. And also, um my husband is a, a huge reader of those kinds of tales. So every time I watch anything with him, um, when we watched, um, I want to say like Lord of the Rings the first time from beginning to end, you know, I don't know how many hours that that actually is, mm. but for us, it took like, I don't know, maybe like 60 because Every time I watch anything with him, he pauses every five minutes to tell me the backstory of why this is relevant and why I should care about it. So um, it's really funny because, you know, I'm not the nerd in our family, but I appreciate it. Mm -hmm. I really, really appreciate it because otherwise I would have so much less context and so much less understanding of what is actually going on in these stories. For me, they're just, they're so um, in depth and there's, there's so many little teeny tiny details Mm -hmm. that you could miss if you just didn't know. And I would most times when I watch this stuff, he'll tell me something and I'll be like, are we watching the same thing? Um, But it's helpful that he usually has the context of having read the thing in advance. Um, But yeah, um, someone had recently commented something about Samurai Jack. And so I did a little bit of research into Mm. that show and was Mm. like, yeah, I see it. Like story-wise, it's really similar. Animation-wise, it's totally different. Um, Mm -hmm. And personally, I prefer our animation, but but yeah, I I like that story as well. And I think it's not so different from our own. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think like my favorite scene from Lord of the Rings was um... Spoilers for people that are listening, but um, <laughs> we haven't watched shame it on you if you haven't seen it. So, Star <laughs> Wars, I can understand, is 1977, but Lord of the Rings is the year 2000. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's newer, but I I will say at the at the end of the Return of the King, when everybody bows to the hobbits, I thought oh, that, was, that was such a good scene. Yeah, I turn you know, Similarly, that same kind of scene that happens in Mulan. I don't know if you've ever seen mm, that. Mm-hmm. Um, that one moment where she like saves the, the, um, whatever, I don't know what you call him. Oh my God. Yeah. The, the, the kingdom, she the saves king. the kingdom. Yeah. yeah whatever. <laughs> she saves the kingdom. And then, um, you know, everyone bows down to her instead uh-huh. of her feeling shame for, um, not being this woman, you know, that she was supposed to be in this demure, you know, marriable woman, but actually mm-hmm. for saving the whole freaking kingdom. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was really a beautiful moment. So actually that's, um, and that's really relevant to this story as well, I'd say. Oh, awesome. Yeah, people might be bowing to Tameo at the very end. Who knows? We'll see. <laughs> Spoilers. You don't have to guess. <laughs> you don't have to guess. You say. 
Um, so I want to talk about the, the animation process because um, for myself, I don't know much about animation and the, the intricacies of getting into it. But I saw a little bit of what EJ was, was doing before he started off with um, like watercoloring, which I thought was really interesting. But how is that, that process? So you start off with watercoloring and then how do you, what do you do after that? Um, we didn't end up do uh, going the watercolor background style. It, mm. That was a different style that we tried, and ultimately, it, it just wasn't something oh, we could okay. execute consistently. Mm -hmm. So we did a little bit back to the drawing board. Um, but the process, regardless of what backgrounds we were using, is very similar. Um, all mm. the backgrounds are digitally painted now by um, Harupa's team. Um, and, and and so what that process looks like from beginning to end. Stop me when I start talking too much. I will try yeah, to do good. the short version of this. I'm just watching your cat um, too. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, again, right? I told you. She can hear us talking better. Um, totally understands. She's like, so, I know how entertaining I, I am. You know, it'd be really, you know, actually, can I? I'll, I don't have to talk about the ocean black. I'm going to tell a cat story real quick. One time, this, this beautiful cat behind me who is so wonderful and just mm -hmm. so sweet, right? I was sitting on the bed. My other cat came in comes in the bed every morning at exactly 7.30 after I go to the bathroom after I wake up. Wow. Jumps in the bed, like, for pets. So she, he's lying next to me. This one will crawl up to the bed, peek up over the bed to see that he's laying with me, and will put him as hard as she can. Oh, my gosh. Because <laughs> <laughs> she hates him and beats him up every time he gets on the bed so just so you know this cat is a bully <laughs> anyway that's why she's in the shot <laughs> speaking of she's trying to bully us the, right <laughs> exactly she's bullied her way on camera right now without my permission she didn't ask i didn't hear a meow um <laughs> so, she's an attention whore we know so so um the animation process so it starts with it starts with starts obviously with <laughs> it starts off with uh bullying myself into sitting down and actually writing out a script mm. um honestly that's the most painful part um anytime and this is probably one of the reasons why i've been able to take my hands off the wheel sometimes and just be like okay good luck tita i'll talk to you next week <laughs> i feel so badly um genuinely right because i know that sometimes he has questions and mm -hmm. we're out of sync um and i have a day job and you know he has to make a creative decision on his own so you know he's doing a great job obviously mm -hmm. um but it starts with that script right so i gotta go through and i do the whole script and then i walk through it with him again and we identify every single shot like if i showed you the script right now uh it would look like i think patty's seen the production script it is separate every single shot is separated like there are line breaks everywhere wow, okay. <laughs> that describes each which shot each piece of dialogue belongs on and then which line of description belongs with which shot mm. right and, and mind you sometimes i'm all, uh, to my point about dita sometimes i'm giving dita one sentence the river was oh wide and the hill was right like it's just like he's got one sentence to go with so 
So that's, but that's the script, right? That's what you start with. Yeah. The, ne the next step is layouts, right? And, and again, I'm shortening this for the sake of brevity and also somewhat entertainment. Mm -hmm. um, the, the next step is layouts, right? So now we have to roughly plot. Theoretically, we know how many shots we want, and I've skipped over a lot <laughs> uh, in terms of the script writing, but mm -hmm. theoretically, we know how many shots we want, and now we're going to lay out what each shot looks like like mm -hmm. roughly what are the design elements it doesn't have to be beautiful but it's going to be a rough sketch um this past section we did was the first time we've actually taken the whole five minute chunk at the time um that's why this thing we're going to do at the end of the year is going to be our biggest video ever it's mm -hmm. going to represent the culmination of all of our self-funded work um the layout work for that's been a lot easier because we're doing a bigger chunk so i can't remember how many files we did but we couldn't have done more than 30 or 40 drawings for five minutes that's still over that's still a lot of shots it's gonna be mm -hmm. shots. um so you do the layouts and you plan what you're gonna do now at that point hopefully for the most part dita doesn't need me too much we've agreed on the length of the shots more or less that was in the script i actually numbered for each shot roughly mm -hmm. how many seconds i believed <laughs> Right. We've got the shots. We know roughly what's happening in each shot. Now the animation team is going to go and actually try to sketch each shot, the length of each one, and animate each one. And all along, they're going to be talking to me about, well, we didn't know what to do with this. What about this? Or we've tried this thing. Or most of the time, right, it's just because I haven't been specific enough and they have to figure out what, what do words mean? What does it mean when Tenneo attacks and three kills three people, right? <laughs> What are words? So um, they that's a lot of work for them, right? And that's the, mm. the bulk of the work, and that requires a team. While they're doing that, again, we have a layout. There's a second layer that needs to be built. So if you imagine there's one team right now building the animation oh, layer oh, that, okay. that sits on a white background, okay? Uh -huh. Right? Pretend I looked in your Instagram right now, and I watched a video of just a white background with you know, a character snapping their fingers, right? Mm -hmm. That that's the layer they're working on. The background layer is a totally different layer being worked on by the team in parallel based on, again, on that layout. Um, they'll come back and they'll probably do another version of the layout stage that'll be much more specific. It'll basically be a sketch of the background, right? Mm -hmm. Like, this mm -hmm. is what it looks like. And remember, some shots... You probably actually don't know this. Sorry. Remember, <laughs> um, <laughs> some shots don't have animation, right? It's just a shot of a background. Just it's a background. painting. You're mm -hmm. just, yeah, you're, you're painting and you're just doing this, right? You're just moving the camera on a painting to give the sense of motion or a bird's eye view, right? Mm -hmm. So both those layers are worked on in parallel by the team, some faster than others, all prioritized by Dita based on what the project needs and what it makes sense to go first and last. It, I have reduced in two minutes an incredible amount of work that he does. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's because at the end of that, right? So if you imagine this layout, then this animating, and then a wild background painting is Another also happening, background. right? Yeah. And then if those two parallel things come together and tick, 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 down the railroad, and then we bring them together in the compositing phase, right? Where we lay that top layer onto the background layer. Mm -hmm. And then oh before they turn it over to me, hopefully they do a mastering phase too, where they go back through, make sure the colors match, right? Mm -hmm. Which again, by using one 
connected team like this all using the same set of rules you don't wind up with issues in that later phase where colors don't match and lines aren't the same width and all this crazy mm -hmm. silly stuff that is remember what i said at the very beginning oh, when we started everything right? is stupid <laughs> right <laughs> if you don't do the dumbest possible thing and right make sure even the width of the lines are the same you're going to mm -hmm. wind up with animation that looks and feels different and uh, the uncanny of alley effect will come in. Your users will immediately be able to tell because the difference is so slight, it's actually magnified. It's, mm. it's awful. <laughs> so we have to be good when they composite it, finalize it, create that shading, those lighting effects, all those things that give it depth and make it real and make it look good. Mm -hmm. I can actually picture in my mind one of the storyboards that I've seen where there was clearly one image that was one of those oh, we'll fill this in for right now and wait and see what he actually <laughs> wants. Because it's like my face, you know, my character's face just like. <laughs> yeah. So you know what? You know what the origin story for that uh, very smiley Tameo face is, is just in general, another another place of information that for, to me is second nature, right? describe Tameo. What is she like? What kind of facial expressions does he have? What is her personality? What does she say when she talks? Um, I, I actually have a tab in front of me if I could open my book here real quick. When we're making these characters, right, we're defining, you know, traits about them and what kind of characteristics they have. Well, mm -hmm. Dita needs that information when he's animating, right? So he can make them make their facial expressions. Mm -hmm. So what I showed him is just, I'll show it really quickly, right? What I showed him is like, I make a little table of oh the God. characters and what kind of physical traits do they have? Like, if uh -huh. we're just going to describe them very quickly, what kind of emotional traits do they have? Meaning what kind of facial expressions do they exhibit? What kind mm -hmm. of, are their shoulders hunched forward build, all the time? Yeah. Are they tense? Are they bad? Are they, right? Like, and all then right. Um, in terms of the speech, right? What kind of things do they say? Right. And I, and I just talked to you through the whole animation side. I haven't talked to you at all about the audio, right? <laughs> Patty is like, doing a ton, did a ton of work there um, mm. that I didn't have to do in very few takes with professional recording equipment and how did the audio be clean and good and be usable and not have, not require anyone to do any work, right? Um, it, mm. it, it's, it, it's a game of little things, right? To make sure that the thing that you're producing not only is high quality because you started with a high quality plan, but also, forgive the expression, it doesn't have any scratches on it mm -hmm. from along the way, right? Because mm -hmm. you carried it through and you made sure that each person who touched it did the thing that they were exposed to without forgiving the phrase, screwing out, mm -hmm. right? Because, it all, again, all it takes is something small, right? Um, uh, you know, in television in general, one thing I've learned, I've learned to be attuned to more and more as I read entertainment news and you look at what happens to these different projects and which ones rise and fall if in project management if, if even one of these little dominoes falls off the whole thing is in danger mm -hmm. and a, a specific actor gets in trouble or a specific you know part of the plan which can't be executed and now everything downstream is kaput um so it's very risky business and keeping mm -hmm. things on track and making sure that people are doing the right thing you need a lot of people and you need people you can trust and like, once again we are very lucky <laughs> yeah making sure things stay parallel to where when it when it does cross everything kind of comes together at, and and it could be one scene it could be you know the whole series but it's, specifically it's a challenging just for one process scene. 
It's a challenging process. Arcane. We were just talking about Arcane, weren't we, Patty, before this you were. call? Arcane. <laughs> Incredible show. Incredible mm-hmm. show. Just unbelievable, right? Yep, Looks yep. unbelievable. Storytelling's unbelievable. Man, they spent almost $100 million on that show. Mm-hmm. Took them six years to develop. I can't imagine how much, uh, just, right? Like, how, how many actual man hours that right. is. Um, yeah, and you were talking about the size of their team as well, like just because well, sure, it's you have already a hundred million dollars, right? You have anything, <laughs> yeah. animate anything you want. Um, but that's the point, right? Um, is relative to the process, and this is the comment that I didn't make, it was implied, but I'll be explicit. During that process, cost is a factor the entire time. Mm-hmm. This is self-funded. I am like, I am not a wealthy person. I'm not going to talk about my finances on Instagram. <laughs> yeah. right? But it's like, I, we're doing everything we can to make sure that the resources that we have, we, we have them so we can complete the goal we want, right? And that goal is to get mm. that five-minute clip out and show the world of, you know, a setting that Temeo can be in, can talk in, and can do some violence in. Mm-hmm. Um, the, 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 the process, though, again, to my earlier point if it's not managed and if people aren't doing their part or they're scratching the proverbial record up it's just it's an enormous amount of money because the a team that it takes to do this work is is challenging so it's it's a credit to everybody that's doing it and doing it well because it is hard and you see other teams and even large companies completely fail mm-hmm. <laughs> i mean mm-hmm. to even get out of the starting um, so uh, there'll be times padding this, this <laughs> probably too well that I'm a little despondent and I'm like, you know, Jesus Christ, um, <laughs> I, I, I'm because wor- I'm worried, right? Because it's just me. I'm not Hollywood. Uh-huh. But on the other hand, I'll, you know, I'll look at projects, I'll read the news and I'll think about things. And I'm like, you know, Jesus Christ, there's, there's people who can't even get a main character, right? Mm-hmm. There's people who can't even get out of the concept stage because they, they don't know what they really want. They don't, they don't have a goal. Mm-hmm. right we have an objective and we know exactly what it is um and we have a straight line to get there mm-hmm. uh we're not going to tell a story that's necessarily revolutionary i don't think again i don't claim to be a prophet and maybe that's too humble of me mm-hmm. um but we certainly have something valid to tell I, can i uh, can i tie this speech back i swear i'll stop talking of course um, yeah. with a comment you made earlier about the inspiration uh, i i want it to be positive i have to coach myself sometimes that i'm not too negative um <laughs> but i'll tell you the negative inspiration for the show was game of thrones right and how that ended and how the Mm. character of daenerys targaryen was treated right and wanting to see a television show that has a that actually decides to make a female character the center i don't think the show could ever really decide whether daenerys was the main (laughs) character the dragons were great until you know i guess they weren't um to see a story that puts someone like that in a situation and they win. And I just, I want to see that. Mm-hmm. That's a good goal to have, you know? And um, uh, yeah, just kind of shifting topics a little bit. I want to talk to Patty about um, being a, a voice actress for this one, because, you know, a lot of people know her from P- the Peekaboos, the commercials, shows, different modeling gigs and even being a host on Maui News Now. So with this role being a voice actress, how different has that been for you to compared to your other roles? 
Um, well, so I grew up and I studied theater. So I've been doing acting that part of it my whole entire life. Mm -hmm. And then, um, you know, I, I only, I would say maybe in the last five years or so really transitioned to being on camera. Mm. Um, that, that was a big change for me. Mm -hmm. And then, um, in the last four years, I got a job at Maui now, um, or with Pacific media group is a better way to say it because I was both, um, operations manager of Hawaii airport advertising, mm -hmm. as well as, um, working on Maui now as an on-air host. Mm -hmm. Um, but also part of that is that I was on the radio. So, um, right. I mostly on the radio just did commercials, mm -hmm. but that was my first four wit foray I would say into um voice acting mm -hmm. and it was a lot to learn you know it's it's interesting to communicate without your face um that's one of the things that mm -hmm. I would say most people say I'm I have the strongest ability with is that my face is very expressive um so to have to do that with your voice alone that's that's kind of a different set of tools mm. um particularly in situations like this with the the animation where it's um so much of it's in your your imagination you know there's mm. these moments that happen just before just after around the corner you're thinking through this character that that started their life so many years ago and experienced so much so every every sentence that she's saying comes with a context um, and then on top of that, to know that it's the animation is going to be based off of that to some mm -hmm. degree, mm -hmm. um, that's kind of, uh, a lot of pressure, but you know, I mean, for me, it's, it's all fun. It's all acting. It's all the same thing, really. Um, it's just a different set of skills that I had to develop. When you're voice acting, um, do you stand up or sit down? Because I know some people, they, they, when they get into the, the mode of it, they have to stand up for I stand, stand, I stand up. for it for sure. I do a lot of vocal warm-ups, mm. um, which is, you know, coming from my theater background, but also I, um, when I was a kid, had a lot of vocal therapy because I had nodules on my vocal cords. Oh, okay. Uh, so I've learned a lot of just different tools. Um, so yeah, people will see me like, and then doing all these really weird things. Um, but that's just all warming up my face and my muscles and my mouth and all these things because um, you don't ever want to get caught in a moment where you're not ready to articulate exactly what you're trying to say. Mm. Oh. I kind of want to see Tamayo do that. Maybe she's going to have a... <laughs> Maybe she'll do her own. Um, if you send me a recording of this, I'm going to send that recording to Dita and tell her. <laughs> All right. Yes. Is he going to animate me as me or as her? <laughs> no, no, no. Y'all, Tameo. That would be that would interesting. Be um, um, if they if he did an animation between um, Tameo and Patty Lee, and then just have them like have a conversation with each other. <laughs> Ooh, I'm for that. EJ, get on that. Yeah. Put your hard-earned right. dollars towards that. <laughs> <laughs> So fun. To <laughs> this is what's called in project management, changing the requirements. <laughs> Scope creep. That's another expression. It'd be fantastic marketing, EJ. <laughs> yeah, okay. That would be a really interesting concept. Because uh, it... the show would be fantastic marketing. Personal opinion. What would be? <laughs> Finishing the Finishing show. The <laughs> yeah. yeah, you nailed it on the head right there, EJ. <laughs>
that would be a pretty cool concept though if if you had that like you just had that interaction i could just see that that's really that'd be a really maybe when we're further along that'll happen Uh i think we a girl can dream thanks for the idea gavin (laughs) (laughs) of course so you guys can take that you guys can own it you know yeah, yeah showcase. Showcase. we'll give you credit no you don't have to give me any credit just say we we thought of this ourselves and then maybe they'll look at this video and they go actually gavin thought of it but that's okay <laughs> <laughs> this doesn't uh, seem their style <laughs> <laughs> um so i got a few more questions for you guys uh what have been some of the hurdles with creating ocean black and what have you both learned from this experience uh patty you want to go first (laughs) i gotta think of my answer sure i think um the biggest challenges with creating this show for me have just been obviously not being physically in the same place um that's always kind of fun and interesting and then also just um finding and utilizing the right equipment so that everything sounds right Um, but then, you know, on the marketing side of things, it's that, um, we want to really be seen on a large scale, but we don't, we don't have enough content to share at this point to, um, to, to gain that audience. So it's Mm -hmm. like this constant, like, here's a, here's a little tidbit, you know, come, come pay attention because with your eyes, hopefully eventually we'll get the network's eyes. And mm-hmm. once the networks, you know, give their contribution, then we've got three seasons ready to go. Boom. You know, it's just a matter of how do we get from point A to that finish line? Um, I don't want to say point B because I feel like there's a lot of steps in between, but mm-hmm. just yeah, how do we get to that finish line? How's the fastest way we get there? How do we get the most number of eyeballs on us? Um, that's really what it's, um come down to to be Mm -hmm. in my opinion the biggest challenge for ocean black and then you did for yourself (laughs) i uh the biggest challenge is overcoming to me anyway the desire to say too much you know i wanted to represent everything that i care about and i have to narrow in a little bit um for this part of Ocean Black, right? If I look at that as like a whole thing that I did that I'm, like I said earlier, trying to re-release those novels in a more pointed way, I I think the hardest thing for me is figuring out what doesn't belong. Mm -hmm. I could say a lot more about that, but that's the hardest part. What, What doesn't belong in? a television show, an animated television show that I have to, again, remind myself, what is the specific objective? The objective is to see um, Tameo be talented without being a Mary Sue, which I know is a pejorative that people love to throw around these days in a world mm-hmm. where- I do insane. not know what that means. Oh, that's I'm good that you don't then. Without, <laughs> you know, um, tropes about, you know, female main characters, right? I wanna see Cameo, be good, be talented while being flawed and not have it be some some fucking cliche thing where it's like, <laughs> oh, she couldn't overcome her flaws, the woo-hoo, right? And where it's just 
another Greek tragedy. Like I've sort of seen that before. Mm. A little bit too much. Again, <laughs> Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, right? I'm not going to even tell people what the ending is. I, I can't bear to watch it <laughs> I'm, anymore anyway. I'm 35. I'm like, nope, I shut that shit right off. I start bawling when Lee Mubai dies, and I'll just never, I just can't even get to the end after that. Mm. Um, it, it, I, I, I like to see, this is actually partly my, I don't give her enough credit either. My wife, who pretty much edits and quality checks and gut checks just about everything I do um, a, a thing we'll often talk about when we watch shows and we're kind of playing a game where we're trying to predict the ending is uh, you know oh gee I really want to see something positive where people are happy at the end I don't know if this is going to be happy at the end <laughs> I know I'm going to see Tameo win though that'll make me happy <laughs> and I think other people will get there too, but managing what doesn't belong so that we can get there. That's, that's really, really hard. Um, mm. I, and I can't really talk about it intelligibly. I wish I could more. Maybe I, it's hard for me to talk intelligibly with an audience because I'd start riffing on like all this made up imaginary nonsense <laughs> in the universe that I haven't even begun to explain. It just sounds like a crazy person. <laughs> no. um, I looked up you. Mayor Sue. <laughs> oh what is it <laughs> oh you didn't know either would you like to share patty i've heard yes. it before yeah i'll share so a mary sue is a term used to describe a fictional character usually female who's seen as too perfect or almost boring for lack of flaws originally written as an idealized version of an author in yes. a fan fiction usually written by um young authors you know, as their first shot trying to idealize a, a female that character that um, is free of flaws. Yeah, so uh, we were just talking about Star Wars, and that's part of what made me think about it. Mm -hmm. That was a that was a phrase that was lobbed at uh, Miss um, Ridley's character. Oh my God, why can't I think mm -hmm. of Ray? Right, Ray. Lots of people said that about Ray, which you know. I didn't like the Star Wars, the new Star Wars movies that much, but I don't think she did a bad job. I'm just, I'm, I, it's easy to just use her as an example, though. I, I got on this subject by saying again, uh, what I want to, what I want to see out of this main arc for this show, I think, is a little different, and certainly, again, it's in response to I feel other stories. And like Game of Thrones, I cited as the one that made me the angriest. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, is kind of what my motivation is, is to see that story. And, you know, hopefully I'm not the only one out there telling it. I, I, I don't want to be, again, I don't want to be a prophet. I don't want to be the only one out there saying that stories like this should exist. If, you know, realistically, it, they, it shouldn't be that unique to do what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. What we're doing. And just a quick note on the um, the sequels for Star Wars, actually. I think all those actors are phenomenal people. They're phenomenal actors. I think they were just put in situations that maybe weren't ideal. For their, for their it's character. Being very it's being very generous. I agree. Very generous. I mean, my, my wife and I, 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 I... But relative to the position they were put in, I agree with you right, absolutely right. that I think mm -hmm. lots of people, a lot, you know, John Boyega and Daisy Ridley. Mm -hmm. and, Daisy Ridley's phenomenal, but yeah, she was just put in a, a weird position, I think. But you know, we we can. My wife and I can go on and on Palpatine, about that. Palpatine, 
she's not Palpatine. She is Palpatine, right? Like <laughs> yeah. somehow the Emperor. I love no, she's Skywalker. <laughs> I love the Emperor. Great villain. How did they how did they screw that up? I just I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm an old man. No one wants to hear me say Star Wars is bad. <laughs> we we we'll save that for another podcast. <laughs> yeah, for real. No one wants that. No one wants that. They're all um, good movies. Everyone should watch all of them. <laughs> so I want to talk about uh the future of Osha Black and uh what does that look like for you guys? Well, I mean short term it's staying focused on this November so that we release the full trailer we're planning on you know we want it to be cinematic we're shooting for five or six minutes at least i think mm-hmm. um it, it, in a in a scene that will show some of the things and what we're capable of right we're going to show our character we're going to show her doing cool stuff we're going to have some tension we're going to have some battle we're going to have some we're gonna have lots of battle hopefully mm-hmm. and uh I don't know. That's why I'm not in the market. <laughs> I'm excited. It's going to be that it's getting that done is a, like the event horizon that I'm having trouble seeing beyond. Mm. Um, I think once we get that done, though, um, you know, very much my hope, like Patty said, is to widen our audience to show what we're capable of in that clip. It, what amounts to, I know I'm putting a little too much stock on this movie, but what amounts to a five or six minute clip, I think will very genuinely prove this is a team this team is capable of doing something big something really cool and if some people some right people take notice um you know i think this is something that could be produced and could be because i have business experience and i know what words people use we can be competitive Mm -hmm. right that's what everyone's doing they're competing for attention we're doing that right now on instagram right <laughs> it's on some level it's a zero-sum game i don't believe that necessarily but mm-hmm. i know that that is within the business world how it's perceived that it's zero-sum and so you have to come with something that can be competitive it's not artistically like what some people have commented to me is like a, a high art animation style you know these uh, you know Jojo and these ridiculous things. Um, I, the, ridiculous, the wrong word. The, the, the artists are enormously talented, right? But the, mm-hmm. the frames per shot and the, the detail. A, I'm not funded for that. B, again, it's not really the style we're pursuing. Our style is hopefully sitting on some nice middle ground between Japanese and American animation styles with an adult storytelling that, again, is competitive. That people will want to watch that producers will want to back um we're trying to find that sweet spot while again still trying true to the objective Mm -hmm. which is to tell a specific story for a specific character if someone tries to stop me from doing that i'll just find something else to do (laughs) honestly i can keep myself busy with creative projects um but i'm not certainly not prepared to give up and i don't think i'll have to give up i think we have a future where we can get this done um this clip though is definitely the biggest thing and sucking up all of my focus Mm. maybe patty has a longer view comment than me but uh what i would say is um this process is so different than any of the other um types of um 
like film, television, anything like that, mm-hmm. where typically you start with the actual film, let's say, you know, you film the film and then based on what you've gotten from your film, you cut it up and you create a trailer and you say, this is what our film is about, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because it's animation, it's so different because every single frame, you know, costs money, takes time, what have you. So we're building we're building our episode and, and everything that we're um, having animated based on the trailer itself so that we're first saying, hey, look, this is what we're about. And then once people are like, hey, I'm into what you're about, then we're like, okay, now we can create it for you because we already know what we're doing. We're just waiting for that that first step where everyone's going, hey, this is of interest to me. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, just getting from there to the other spot is is really primarily um, what's in the future for my mind. The reason I've um, put so much stock in this particular story is just because I believe in it, you know? Um, it's mm-hmm. it's a labor of love. It's not like so many other things that um, I do them because I get paid for them and don't get me wrong, EJ does pay me. <laughs> I don't wanna say he doesn't, that's not the point of what I'm saying, but mm-hmm. what, the point of what I'm saying is that I don't do it because of that. Um, that's just an added bonus. I do it because I really believe in the story, because I believe in the characters, because I do, unlike him, think it is a fresh take um, on a lot of different subjects. And because it, so I was recently having a conversation with a bunch of producers and one of the things that we're saying is that, you know, a lot of times when you get people's stories, um, people who write stories all the time are really good at writing stories, right? Because they, um, they know all the tropes and they know all of the like sort of organizational system of how stories are written and they can bang them out real quick. You know, mm-hmm. um, and then when you meet someone who is sharing their one and only story, um, their heart is so deeply into it that they don't know how to edit out. Um, and so they say too much. And it's exactly what EJ was saying. And I think that EJ is, um, I guess, re- self-reflective enough to be able to filter and figure out what needs to be said, what needs to be shared later, because there's there's certainly a lot more to be said than what Ocean Black is going to say, mm-hmm. but there's also more opportunities. There are other stories. There are um, other shows potentially. There's just there's a lot more opportunity in this one large universe in this one large story mm-hmm. than just what we have to show. And hopefully, this is the thing that launches that. Mm-hmm. I, I just know that the Patty hit the biggest affirmation i get from you i think is just that we do have an audience we just have to find it um yeah when i when i was talking about i was talking to tina my wife about um how it can just suddenly happen and if you believe in the thing and you persevere don't underestimate in other words right and and the example when i was talking here that i gave her was you know i'm in my 30s now but i can remember being young enough and watching SpongeBob SquarePants and Bob mm-hmm. Dog, that cartoon when it first came out. Did either of you watch that when it first came out? Uh, yeah. You did? Yeah. So so I had this experience. I watched that first season of SpongeBob. I'm just a kid. It's fucking hilarious. 
it's one so of the funniest. It was one of the funniest things we had ever seen. Me, it was me, my brother, who was two years younger than me, and my mother, right? And mm -hmm. and you know, long story short, obviously my parents were divorced. So on weekends and some of the days, it would just be the three of us, my mother and my, you know, my brother and I. Um, and so we watched that first season together, and some other cartoons. Rocco was amazing as well. Mm -hmm. But SpongeBob was like, holy crap, this thing is the funniest goddamn thing. Can't wait for the next season, right? And every year, um, you know, back in the 90s or <laughs> whatever it was yeah. <laughs> um for fun my family would take us to new york city around christmas time and we'd get on the train and we'd go there and in new york city they have this giant they had i don't know what's happened to it since then they had this giant toy store fao schwartz and i'll never forget going in there and being like hot damn we are going to get some spongebob toys like you can't believe this is going to be in money mm. and just the disappointment of wandering around FAO Schwartz for I don't know how long and finally finding somebody who's like, where are the SpongeBob toys? And they looked at us like, what are you talking about? SpongeBob <laughs> who? Right? All year, SpongeBob watching them, watching reruns, right? Mm -hmm. He's the funniest thing in the world. How could this person not know who SpongeBob is? What is the matter <laughs> with this person? Right? No toys, none. Well, we have Cat Dog. What? <laughs> and think of now, 20 years later, okay. Going the anywhere. Memes, the memes, the, the just well, everything. Which right? movie? Cat Dog didn't have a movie. Uh, uh, well, <laughs> it's not the only thing Cat Dog didn't have. Um, yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? like, and, and not to describe that show, because I think I watched that cartoon when I was a kid, too. Uh -huh. But again, what was far and away right a massively influential show and just it, it just it just everything about it right mm -hmm. you can't say enough good things about that show and it's so tragic that the creator passed away and i think he said like you shouldn't make re don't make another thing and they're doing it anyway and it's horrible mm -hmm. uh, maybe i've maybe on social media too much though i shouldn't probably say that without confirming that but the point of the story though is that what we're trying to go out and do people are going to discover it and it doesn't have to be this like massive thing right away even one of the greatest cartoons of all time that launched on network television mm -hmm. was completely unrecognized <laughs> and underappreciated <laughs> everywhere mm -hmm. until suddenly it started to gain traction right mm -hmm. and so um we're taking the same approach right and things are a little different now than they were in 1999 um but I think getting out there and showing people something that we think they want to see, and I absolutely am convinced that people want to see this animation style with an adult story, right? Mm -hmm. um, well, we just got to get it out there. Mm -hmm. Well, I think you guys are on the right track because, um, I mean, just looking at the animation, looking at the story arc and then the ideas behind it, the plot, the characters, it's very well versed and I think it's it could be fleshed out to even a bigger universe. So I applaud you guys for what you guys have accomplished so far because it's I think it's just gonna go up from here and you just gotta keep pushing for it and keep getting it out there. Someone's gonna pick it up. Netflix has been picking up everybody. So who knows, maybe Netflix will pick well, it up. Now I'll tell you, Netflix actually canned a whole lot of their animation studios, so we're probably not going to get a net call from Netflix. Okay, but not everybody mm -hmm. is Netflix, and I'll mm -hmm. tell you, uh, right. Netflix is, I think, from whatever I, I read, probably too much industry publication stuff because <laughs> it makes me quite depressed. Um, Netflix has seemed to have suffered a bit of a, you know, 
ate too much. They have whatever they Mm -hmm. they bit off a little more than they could chew, Mm -hmm. um, and their management doesn't appear to be versed in the industry well Mm -hmm. enough to know what to do with that. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's causing a lot of churn over there, especially in animation. Mm -hmm. Um, I've read a couple of season names because I could regurgitate them to you right now, but who have basically gone running back to the old network TV folks and been like, (laughs) "We do a deal." because the streaming people are no longer cutting checks quite so easily. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I that think doesn't, that... But the demand is there. Don't get me yeah. wrong. I'm, I'm not discounting what you're saying. I think uh, Netflix actually also, they're part of a big lawsuit recently that they have yeah. to pay a whole bunch of people, writers, mm-hmm. um, for, uh, what do you call it? Um, uh, I just got one of these checks the other day. In the mail, what do you call it? I don't know. I can't think of what it's called. Like when, when, yeah, when they pay you like over the course of time, yeah, mm-hmm. royalties essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, there's another word, but anyway, yes, they're in a, a little bit of hot water right now. But all that aside, um, thank you. We appreciate you just for you know yes. taking the time to even talk with us. I know you've been talking to a lot of political candidates, so this was totally different direction. This is this is refreshing for me. <laughs> Oh my God. You're not a like a crazy QAnon guy, right? You no, didn't accidentally no. put me on a QAnon show, did you, Patty? <laughs> no, you're not. No, I, you know, honestly, okay, um, person, but you don't know who his followers are. <laughs> I don't care. I don't want any QAnon people. I've been getting a lot of um, people are lunatics. <laughs> I've been getting a lot of different followers lately, but yeah, I mean, the show is, is naturally, um, we get anybody on like local talent and local, you know, with, I'll touch upon this, I guess a little bit. I think, I don't know if people are going to maybe they'll tune this out, but like with political candidates, I had someone reach out to me and they, they wanted, um, they wanted to, they they were the political candidate. They reached out and they were like, Oh yeah, you you know, we've been watching you. We want to be on the show. And I was like, okay, fine. You know, I, I was trying to veer away. I was trying to veer away from it. And then, um, and lo and behold, I just ended up doing more, <laughs> but, um, but you know, the, the show, what I've been doing is more of a celebration for the guests, um, for artists, for musicians. Um, this is not a political podcast. So, you know, I always say that, yeah, I always tell people this isn't, you know, so if, if you, you know, for political ideas, don't take my ideas seriously, <laughs> if anything, but, um, but for this one, I felt it was it was very refreshing for me. I had a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun on this one. It was great talking to you guys about Ocean Black and just learning more about it. And I really invested in the story. It's really good. I actually really like it so far. Thank so you. thank you very much. Very good job. It's done. Um, so uh, just as the last thing, oh, how can people contact you for more information about Ocean Black and um, where you know where can people find you online? Uh, yeah, this should be me, I guess. Uh, <laughs> so Ocean Black TV pretty much is everything. So we're on uh, TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube. And also we have our website. So OceanBlackTV.com, um, mm-hmm. Ocean Black TV on Instagram, Ocean Black TV on TikTok. Yeah, so we're everywhere but Facebook and Twitter um, as far as the main places are concerned. 
for now. Who knows? Maybe later, Twitter and Twitter and Facebook. You never know. <laughs> yeah, and who knows? We've we've toyed with also, you know, Kickstarter campaigns and Patreon and things like that, but um, are kind of still in the conversation stage of that and whether or not we want to go um, pitch hard to uh mm-hmm. you know production companies and um and those types of things or if we want to get some funding from the people who believe in us you know so mm-hmm. one way or another it's gonna happen mm-hmm. definitely i believe in you guys i believe like what you guys are doing it's so it's such a great idea and i think it's like i said like i said before it's just gonna go out from here so just keep pushing at it you know i think it's a really important story <laughs> And, you know, animated animated series in general, I you know, like the Avatar series. I know people have been clamoring for more Avatar, but I mean, this is a brand, you know, it's a it's a fresh story and it, it has that same, you know, art style, very similar to it. But, um, you know, I, I think just keep pushing at it. So good job. <laughs> Thank, Thank you very much. Yeah, of course. And um, and I'll, of course, I'll leave your guys as um, uh you know how people can reach out to you like oceanblacktv.com you know on in the description below uh in this youtube video and um and then for people that are watching or listening please like comment and subscribe if you guys like this video or if you're what if you're listening on spotify or apple podcasts uh like comment or like and subscribe for more and um yeah yeah guys if you guys are normal listeners uh we always do a comp at the end so for um, Patty and EJ. Hold on one sec. Okay. Patty told me to have a drink ready, and I have a drink ready. Okay, good. I, I have my my water. Yeah. Some people do drink alcohol ready. on the set, but um, I I've been having the past few podcasts. I've been having um just water, so you know, which yeah. is good. <laughs> uh, nobody lights up. But um, you know, it's funny. I'll, I'll tell this. I'll tell this one quickly. So the ones that I have light up are usually on like weekdays you know like it'll it'll be like a wednesday like a really weird day and a wednesday night and they'll be like hey let's you know let's just drink crazy like shots and everything and i'm like i have to work the next day we'll do it you know what i mean so um so yeah i appreciate i appreciate when i just have to drink water (laughs) okay well i told him to have it ready i forgot but here, I found a little something. Oh, wait, so. what is that? Wow, she's got a, she's got a nip, nipping it. Yeah, I. That's I, my I, father's I, favorite they don't vodka. Say that word, they don't. They don't they use don't that, say that No, they don't say nip. Nip is like an East Coast thing, I think. I just know I, people here don't say it. Well, it's highly inappropriate sounding, so I, I can't imagine why people in Boston would have adopted it. I, I don't know. Why do they say packy? I don't. I don't know. Massholes, all of them. No. All of us. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> That, that is a real thing i'm from here that's allowed that's what that's what people say here unironically i have heard that before yeah, yeah, yeah. They, people say it unironically they're like oh yeah he's a masshole right <laughs> they, and you're like <laughs> <laughs> you just have to look it up but <laughs> yeah real thing i thought i thought that was soju actually patty what you had there it looked like soju actually oh that, that would be awesome. cool but it's not it's just it's the first thing i found Okay. <laughs> so I was like, I'll, I'll drink this, I guess. Are we Should doing this? Yeah. All right, we'll drink together. It. All right. So, um, uh, EJ, Patty, thank you again for joining me on the show. This is to you guys and what you guys are doing with the Ocean Black series. Good luck to both of you. 
as well as Dira, if you're listening, good luck to you as well um, with your continued success. And yeah, kampai. Kampai.